Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me tonight Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Timothy. Hello. We're a book club for games. But not today. Today we're going to talk about our uh, year of games. Review the year. And our uh, meaningless awards. So, let's get started. As with every year, I have compiled a full list of all the games we've played so far, and on top of that I've got top three by hours played and by achievements per platform. So, Mike, you'll attach it to the blog, this spreadsheet. Will do. And we'll just talk about some highlights right now. So, surprise, surprise, COD Warzone has been our most played game of the year. Yeah. I am all in on Warzone now. I don't understand what's happened. In fact, for both of us, was it Warzone followed by Modern Warfare? Yes, it was. So Call of Duty Modern Warfare basically takes the top two slots. What is going on? So when we started the podcast, I was meant to be that guy. But it turns out you're that guy as well. Yeah, I think... (laughs) It feels like every year you pick the Call of Duty game as best multiplayer and I mock you. And then this year it's me as well. Like, what What happened? But yeah, I've totally gone all in on COD. I just really like Warzone for some reason. I just really like Warzone. I did finally get a solo Warzone win as well. Yesterday, in fact. Sorry, got it. Just in time for this wrap-up. Does that mean you're done? No, I thirst for more victories. The bloodlust has just started. My actual COD stats are really bad. Like, I'm in, like, I'm in, like, the bottom 50%. Sounds like the bottom 25. I think, like, my, my win ratio is really in the toilet. Like, it's less than 1%, right? So... Yeah, I definitely need some more wins. It's only because I'm unwilling to cheese it, you know, I play honourably. Like, I didn't exploit that whole juggernaut nonsense, which is why I actually had a very frustrating few weeks when, basically, there was a guaranteed way to get a juggernaut drop in Warzone. This will probably mean nothing to you if you don't play Call of Duty or Warzone, sorry. But, yeah, there was a guaranteed way to get a juggernaut armour drop. And in solos, that basically meant you won the game because... One player cannot really take out a juggernaut on their own. And in solos, everyone's out for themselves. So whoever got the juggernaut 
just basically picked off everyone else one by one. And I was unwilling to cheese it and just get that juggernaut armor. I was trying to win, you know, by my own grit and aim, which just meant I kept getting to top five and getting killed by a juggernaut and being like, juggernauts. But it makes no sense. It, you say it like you you intentionally didn't try to get the juggernaut armor. It's also because I didn't know how to do the Easter egg, which is the way you got the job. It's like, I could watch a YouTube video about it, or I could just ignore it and hope that it doesn't happen in this match. And like, basically, 90% of matches, someone will get a juggernaut. But yesterday, there was a new patch, they removed the juggernaut, and I just won straight away. And I was like, see, this is all I needed. Do you have a recording? No. I've not been streaming or recording recently, so... I was so excited that I took a photo of the screen, though. Dare I ask, have you bought Black Ops Cold War? I have bought Black Ops Cold War. It is relentless. You, you told me that you bought it and you were like hinting, hey, maybe I should get it too. And I was don't, like, don't be ridiculous, Ting. Don't blame me. Look, this, is not, this is not, has got nothing to do with me. Well, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying as a fact, you told me that you had bought it. And I was very dismissive at first. But then, while playing Warzone, there's an advert that popped up and said, hey, Black Ops Cold War is 33% off. And I was like, you know what? I do want Black Ops Cold War. <laughs> so I bought it. How much have you played? Oh, I've played hardly any of it, to be honest. I, I fired it up. I played a few rounds on Nuketown and then basically went back to Warzone. Like, it feels quite different to Modern Warfare. I, I'm actually not really a Call of Duty connoisseur, so I don't really get it. Like, I, I think you've said in the past that the Black Ops games are quite different to the other ones. Because, you know, I, it flips, doesn't it, between Treyarch and Infinity Ward? Yeah, it does now. And you've mentioned that the Black Ops games, which are the Treyarch ones, are a bit different stylistically. So They're more, more arcadey, I feel. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure how well I'm going to get on with it. But at the end of the day, I think Warzone is actually what I care more about. So I'll probably just play more Warzone. But you'll need a way to level up quickly. You'll need a grind map. Hence buying Black Ops Cold War. <laughs> Although it's strange because it is a different engine, which means that the skills are not really transferable. Like, I do think playing the Modern Warfare multiplayer, which I did, you know, for XP grind, did help with my Warzone gunplay. But I don't think that's going to be the case for Black Ops Cold War. Okay. Should we start with the other games? Yeah, I mean, you've picked a few out that you think are worthy of mention. I wanted to hear more about, yeah. And let's start with one that's still somewhat related to COD, AimLab. Yeah, this was a random one, actually, because on my Steam store page, it just showed that a bunch of people I knew had been playing AimLab. Like you're saying, oh, your friends have been playing this. And I was like, What's AimLab? And it seems to be a free kind of like FPS trainer, right? Like it purports to help you improve your aim. I think, I mean, there are a few of these. Like this is definitely not the only one. 
Kovacs 2 The Meta or something, I think is another quite popular one. But yeah, this one seems to be getting a lot of traction and it's free. So I thought, why not give it a go? I downloaded it. I tried doing some of the training exercises. It basically said I was really bad. Because <laughs> you can actually copy your settings over from other games. Like you can actually go in, you know, when you're setting up your mouse sensitivity and stuff, you can actually go and say, oh, I want this to be scaled to be the same as Call of Duty Warzone. And then I can just make my settings the same. And then I was like doing some like accuracy and speed and tracking exercises. And the game basically said, my accuracy is good, but I'm just way too slow. Like it said, like my accuracy is like 88th percentile, but my speed is like 40th percentile, you know? And so I was, I was working on improving it. I think it did help a bit. I've not been playing it regularly though. It's probably the sort of thing that you should like do a couple of, you know, training exercises of a day or something just to continually build it up. My aim tracking though, is the one that's really bad. Like I am genuinely shocking at it which probably explains why i really have trouble like literally tracking people for like ranged engagements because yeah i'm literally bad like it it told me i'm really bad (laughs) you you should try it just to see what you get well actually no you play on console though anyway so i guess it's not really relevant maybe we can practice with a controller you probably can actually yeah you can quantify how bad i am versus someone with keyboard and mouse I mean, I literally had to look up what someone good looks like. Because I was like, I don't understand how it's possible to be any faster. And then I watched a video and was like, whoa, okay, it's possible to be much, much faster. I was like, wow, now I know what good looks like. I'm just an embarrassment. <laughs> a game that you have completed recently is Divinity Original Sin 2. Yes. And you spent a long time on it. 95 hours. Now, Divinity Original Sin 2 is like a 90 plus on Metacritic. This game is quite fabulous. It is good, actually, yeah. It, it did take me a little while to get into the style of the writing and like the universe and stuff. But yeah. It was a fun playthrough. Actually, it was kind of fun. I played through the entire thing in multiplayer. So was there time for story? Yeah, so this is the funny thing, right? Because usually I like these kind of RPGs for the story. Like for Baldur's Gate 2, for example, like I was all about the story. But the person I was playing this with didn't care about the story at all. Like they just wanted it for the tactical combat. That's why they wanted to play this game. And so we had this strange kind of mixing of styles because I wanted to talk to all the people and they just wanted as much combat as possible. And the result of this was a sort of role-playing playthrough, except that we were total murder hobos, if you know the term. I do not. Okay, so... In Dungeons and Dragons, murder hobo is like a derogative term for when the players just decide to resolve every situation by killing someone, (laughs) like just killing everyone. It's like, you know, oh, these people need your help. Let's just kill them and take their gold. That's literally how a playthrough went. Like I would go and talk to everyone 
and be like, well, we can resolve this peacefully. It's like, well, I kind of want to fight. It's like, okay, I'll deliberately be antagonistic so they attack us. You know, or like, oh, if I cast this spell, it will aggro all of the guards and then our hands will be clean because they attacked us first. You know, <laughs> I was like, oh no, I accidentally casted a source spell in front of the guards who hate source magic. And now the entire town is trying to fight us. What a shame. We're going to have to kill everybody in town and then loot all the vendors' corpses. So did you play as a sorcerer? I played as a spellcaster. Yeah. Oh, so, so you didn't play as someone who just ran in and dealt damage. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Tick? I, I actually usually play spellcasters. Well, we, we had two characters each. So we had a main character who we actually picked at the start of the game. And then you can also recruit further characters. So it's funny, actually, like you're allowed to customize the characters as much as you like. So my friend chose a character who is actually meant to be a spellcaster, but he decided to play this guy as a death knight instead. So he made him like wear heavy armor and have a two-handed like warhammer. And then I picked a character, this elf, who's meant to be an assassin, like a, a rogue, but I just turned them into a full-on spellcaster instead. And then for our companions, my friend got this guy who was like a ranger. So he used like a bow or a crossbow. And then I picked a guy and made him like into a tank. So he had a sword and shield. So that was my run and hit things guy. In fact, my two characters were actually kind of lame for most of the game. Like I, most of the game, I just felt like a bit of a third wheel. You know, I was just standing around soaking up damage. Because actually, surprisingly, even my spellcaster was really tanky because I made them hold a shield in their offhand. So I had very high survivability, but I didn't really do very much damage and was kind of lame. Meanwhile, my friend was just like one-shotting people with his warhammer or just like nailing them with like crossbow bolts like from across the map and like literally one-shotting things. So I was like, oh, I'm just a liability because... <laughs> Basically, all I did was set things on fire and cause trouble. I was like, I cast fireball. He was like, no, don't cast fireball. Yeah. But by the end of the game, like literally in the last few hours of the game, I became literally God tier. In fact, I think like the whole plot of the game is like you ascend to Godhood. And like at the end of the game, my sorcerer character finally became absolutely amazing. Because it was like, I cast my I win button spell and like I literally like threw out like a volcano and just nuked everything. Like there were a few fights where I was like, I cast my big spell and then like everything died. And he was like, this is no fun. It's like, I'm amazing. <laughs> anyway, we finished it. It was, it was actually playing 95 hours in co-op is actually quite a... What's the word? It's 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 long, right? <laughs> I, I think it actually tested our friendship at a few points. <laughs> but yeah, it was worth it. it. It is a really good game. This takes us nicely to Borders Gate 3. Yeah. I mean, the reason we were playing Divinity Original Sin 2 is actually because we tried to play Borders Gate 3. And there were just too many bugs. And then we were like, hey, you know what? We never actually 
finished Divinity Original Sin 2, and then we went back and played it. So, yeah, Baldur's Gate 3, I bought it, this other friend bought it, we tried to play it. It's really buggy. It was really buggy when we tried to play it, because we, we literally tried to play it like within a few days of it coming out on early access. Maybe it's better now. But it, it was more just for the experience of playing it anyway, I think, because... I'd rather play it when it's finished. You know, I mean, it's going to be a long game. I don't want to play it twice. Makes sense. So should we move on? Go on. I saw that you played a short hike. Yes. Tell me more. This was a game I was very interested in, just because it looked so cute. And I was thinking of buying it on Steam, and then I saw it was the free game on Epic. So I was like, oh, perfect. It's a game made by one guy, like it's a solo dev kind of project. And then I found out that he made it in six months, which was incredibly disheartening for me. And then you wanted to go kill him. (sighs) It's incredible that this game was made in six months. I mean, it's got like Breath of the Wild climbing mechanics. You're basically, you're basically a little bird who's going on a short hike like there's this island and you can just explore the island and talk to the other animals and it just has this like beautiful and whimsical vibe to it like it it just everything's so nice you know i think even the music yes it's like you know like how animal crossing is like really you know like positive it's kind of like that like the whole island and all of it is kind of trying to take your mind off bad things. I mean, that's kind of the plot of the game as well. You know, like the the bird you're controlling, Claire, her mother is having an operation and she's kind of a bit stressed. And then she goes, she goes to this cabin with her aunt and is just exploring the island because she's, well, she's trying to get phone reception so she can talk to her mum. But you end up having this like beautiful, whimsical journey full of positivity. So it's a game you couldn't have made. <laughs> Ouch. It's too easy. It's too obvious. It's probably true. But you can make a game that's completely opposite to that. Well, I, I, I think it was really instructive watching this guy's GDC talk about how he made this game in six months. It was really enlightening for me to watch it because, you know, it made me realize he didn't go from zero to this game in six months. He he had been making games for a while as side projects or just hobby little things. And then he quit his job and then was working on a much more ambitious game for a year. And he was starting to get quite bogged down in that, you know, like he was, he was like, he had like writer's block effectively. And like as a palate cleanser, he decided to just make a small thing, which ended up becoming this. So yeah, you know, key takeaways for me, he didn't just produce this in a vacuum, you know, he actually had to spend some time getting the skills to make games you know, which is all these other games that he made in the past. There's no shortcuts at the end of the day. And yeah, I think sometimes 
success can come unexpectedly. You know, this wasn't the game he was planning to make. This wasn't a game he he thought was going to be a success. But he he just happened to make it and realized he was onto something. Definitely worth playing. It's only a few hours long. And it was free on Epic. So if you've been claiming all the free Epic games, you've already got it. A game that we've talked about, sort of, that we had hyped up was Control. I don't believe we've talked about it since you finished Control, right? I don't think so. So tell me about it. What's your review? It was good. <laughs> was what it is good enough? Was it what you expected? Was it... This was the game remember. where, weirdly, I didn't want to play it to begin with because I knew it was a real, like, RTX showcase game. Like, this was a game where if you had a 20 series graphics card, the ray tracing effects were amazing and DLSS worked with it really well. Like, it's literally the game people use to show how good DLSS can be. So how good is DLSS? Well, that's the thing. So I didn't want to play it when it first came out because I didn't have a 20 series graphics card. Then I finally caved, I bought it, and I played the whole thing with my 1080. And then my 1080 exploded. And I've <laughs> I've not fired it up since I got a 20 series graphics card because I, I have a 2070 Super now, but I've literally not played Control since getting that card. So I don't know if the ray tracing is good. Apparently it's really good, right? It was fun regardless. Was it weird and wonderful in all the right ways? I don't remember what the wiki is. I would say it was, yeah. Again, like, I think at the time I said it's reminiscent of the SCP wiki, which is that strange, paranormal, creepypasta stories about objects that must be contained. And yes, this game is a lot like that in setting. You know, you're, you are the director of the Federal Bureau of Control which is this secret organization that controls otherworldly objects and phenomena. Okay. I have another one which I thought we were going to play as a book club game, but I see you've already played it. Factorio. Oh, yeah. This is a game that I had wanted to play and never quite got round to. And then... Well, then I thought, I've got much more time now. I'm going to give it a go. And I basically got nowhere with it. I played the tutorial. And I think it is going to be an incredible game. But I also think you need to put several hours into it first to get over that initial hump. So you're not over that initial hump yet? Definitely not. I, I actually failed the tutorial. Like, I clearly don't know how to play this. Like, I actually failed the tutorial. So it's kind of like another game I played called Satisfactory. But, you know, this game predates Satisfactory. And Satisfactory is all 3D, whereas this is like 2D top down. But I think this game takes it further than Satisfactory. Because, you know, these are basically like logistics optimization games. So, you know, you start off by doing things by hand and then you build machines to automate it and then you build bigger machines to automate more and more stuff. And then like this game, the way it goes further is that you can build machines to build machines. So you can literally build a really complex factory that 
you know, processes or in a certain way or, or makes like advanced, you know, products from that, like computers or circuitry or whatever. And like, you know, in Satisfactory, if you wanted to do that again, well, you'd have to just remember how you built it and build it again. But in this, you can literally eventually like end game tier just kind of like take a snapshot of your factory as a blueprint and then just send off a load of drones to reconstruct it somewhere else so i think this game like goes a level further too but i I didn't get anywhere near that obviously yeah i I found it actually quite a slog in the beginning i think just because like it seems to all be around using these robot arms to like load stuff onto or off conveyors and my brain was just not getting it so i think i would have to put more time into it i I think you know once i get past that point it's going to be like game over for my life because it will i'll just really go hard and finish it but yeah i definitely didn't get that far okay i actually played another game that was kind of like it called shapes.io which is, I think, described as, like, a light version of Factorio. And I, I played that a bit. And that, that was actually also relatively relaxing. So, you know, there's no combat. Because the, the weird thing about Factorio, actually, is there's combat in it. Which is how I failed the tutorial, because I just ran out of bullets. And I was like, what do I do when I'm out of bullets? It's like, oh, I guess I die. There's, like, literally no way to fight off the aliens if you ran out of bullets. And I just didn't build enough bullets. Lastly phoenix point yeah how bad is it oh i remember saying i was quite excited for this game yep like i actually bought it before release on the epic store and it was fun but it was also broken in weird ways and yeah i mean it was really like early access or even like well, I guess early access is, it does cover it because early access games are sometimes totally broken. Like, you know, I think they've actually changed several of the mechanics since I last played it. And all my save games won't work anymore because, like, you know, they've really overhauled things quite a lot. There was just a lot of balance issues or some strats were, like, really overpowered or some strats were just, like, totally non-viable. Like, I was doing really well up to a point and then i suddenly just was unable to actually kill any aliens well actually they're technically not aliens they're pandora virus creatures or something but whatever i you know i the game had like this evolution mechanic where supposedly the enemies evolved to counter your strategies which sounded really good on paper you know but what does that actually mean well it just means that if you're killing the aliens it just continues to scale up their health and armor basically it seems and it literally got to the point where i could not damage the enemies because their armor was too high and i was like looking on the subreddit for phoenix point to see like what am i meant to do about this and like oh yeah you just had to make sure you have armor piercing weapons you get them from this faction it's like what i'm not friends with that faction it's like "Mm, start again it's like what you know like basically you have to have like armor piercing or armor shredding weapons or you just you, you know, it was literally not viable to progress in the game if you didn't have that. And I had gone and, you know, allied with the weird touchy-feely technical faction who had really accurate laser weapons, but they didn't have any armor piercing. So basically I was just doomed at that point. 
And that's when I stopped playing. So you played it during early access? Well, I don't think they called it early access. I played it during the period when it was exclusive on the Epic Store. Okay, so that's when they released it? Yeah. Okay. They didn't call it early access, though. Fine. Anyway, it's irrelevant. Maybe it's better now. I'm not sure. So let's talk about things more in general. 2020. I feel like this section is very ill-defined in how it's different from the previous one. I was wrong when I said the show notes were fine. (laughs) Didn't think this through. So, coronavirus. Stuck at home. I feel like that is what has defined this year. Like... This year, it's weird because on the one hand, I'm like, how is it the end of the year already? But on the other hand, the start of the year feels so long ago. Like I I was looking back through previous eps from this year and I was like, that was this year? I thought that was last year, you know, like there's the before times and then there's lockdown and then there's now, you know, like it's so strange to think back earlier this year so when i was told work from home extended work from home i thought yay we're going to play a lot of games this year that totally did not manifest for you yes it turns out that i'm quite a conscientious employee so yay employer hire this man i didn't play many games and actually it's actually hard to multi i can't multitask i don't understand I thought, I'd be, I thought even if I wasn't playing games, I thought be, I'd be consuming more media. I mean, when you were studying, did you just put TV on in the background when you were younger? I mean, I think it depends, right? If it, was it, it depends if you're actually trying to get any work done. You can have it on as background noise. I think, I think, I do think sometimes having just some background noise actually does help, you know, like keep some parts of your brain occupied so other parts can get on with it. But usually, for me, that tends to be music without words. Okay. Or TV shows I don't care about, I guess. YouTube. Anyway, back on topic. So I didn't consume a ton of TV shows. I didn't consume a ton of movies. I didn't play a lot of games or any more games. Disappointing. I mean, I don't think I actually consumed a ton of media while I was working either i mean maybe a bit of animal crossing if i'm being honest but it's not like i just had like the switch on while i was you know allegedly working i was actually working at least while there was work to do but you know as we mentioned previously things slow down a lot 
And then I got made redundant. <laughs> Which I have generally positive feelings about. Though it's taking some adjustment to my new life as a pro... I was going to say a pro streamer, but I haven't streamed for ages. A pro podcaster. <laughs> can you be a professional if you don't make any money from it? Not really. You can say semi-pro, even then you're sort of pushing it. Semi-pro. Ouch. Yeah. So, I played a lot more stuff after that. Which is why it seems like I've got a lot of stuff to talk about, as usual. So, interestingly... You kept going to the gym this year. Yeah. I had cheap. I paid for my gym membership until October, I realized. So I paid for a lot of gym this year that I didn't use. And as well as that, I also paid for Ring Fit. Ah, oh, yes. Ring Fit. Or as I like to say, Ting Fit. Sorry. I have played this. I've done 24 sessions, which is only 24 times half an hour. I was going to say, that doesn't sound like very much. <laughs> Has April been using this? She did, and then she got bored. She said the game mechanics took too much time, so she wasn't doing much exercising. This game was sold out, though, right? This game was actually really hard to get hold of in Hong Kong for a while. Yeah, it was. I paid twice as much as I should have done. Oof. No, 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 at 50% more. Let's say 50% more. It's good. It's good. I mean, it's hard to justify doing things on the spot, so you need a good reason to do it, right? Do you know what I mean? Running on the spot isn't something you do. Yeah, I know what you mean. Have you become healthier since slash during this ongoing lockdown? No. The whole, whole reason for this is to stop myself becoming unhealthy rather than to become healthier. I think I have got healthier. Incidentally, like I think my body fat's gone down, my muscle mass has gone up. Because of diet and gym? Yeah, mostly diet, I think. I've, I've just been cooking at home a lot more. And I think that's just ended up being healthier. Yeah, so my diet has got better. Or it has stayed the same, but my, my exercise levels have gone down. Because I was going to the gym before. And doing real exercise, I feel. Yeah. I mean, gyms in Hong Kong are all shut now. It's the law. So, Hong Kong is actually quite interesting. You know, I, I, I think if you, are, if you are listening and you're from the UK or the US, you probably don't realize what it's like in Asia, right? Like, there's no official lockdown here in that, you know, you can go outside and whatever, but you have to wear a mask. It's literally the law that you have to wear a face mask. Which I think is probably unthinkable in, you know, the UK or the US. I don't really know. I'm not, I'm not really on top of the UK guidelines. So face coverings aren't mandatory. I don't think so. I think you have to wear them if you're like in a supermarket or on public transport. But that's it. Whereas here, like, literally, if you're outside without a face mask, you can be arrested. It'd be such an easy thing to forget, I, I feel. In the first few months of it, before it was the law, I actually would walk out the flat, get in the lift, the lift doors would open on the ground floor, and I'd see, you know, people with face masks on and be like, 
oh yeah, and I had to get back in the lift and go back to my flat and put on the face mask. And then now it's become so instinctive that if I see someone without a face mask for some reason, like even if you know they're just taking off to have a drink or something, I'm just like, unclean, avoid. You don't give them a glance, a stare. Yeah, give them this like dirty look, like what's wrong with you? Do you want to die? It's just societal norms. This isn't even gaming related, sorry. Well, that's, that's, that's what this section's about. They have defined it. Let's talk about a couple of games from the beginning of the year and whether we sort of continued them or they just sort of flamed out. So over Christmas, we were playing Pokemon and we've had two DLCs since then. You're right, we did play it over Christmas. That was actually this year as well, wasn't it? Jeez. Yes. I have not played any more Pokemon. Like, I think I did say at the end of the book club app that I might try and go for dex completion because I was actually relatively close. Like it was it seemed very attainable this time round, but then I I didn't do it. I I just like didn't i didn't even turn it on again i think i think i played it once more to get a gigantamax meowth or something because i was like oh i want this particular pokemon and i especially went on during a particular raid weekend and got this particular pokemon for meta reasons like you know because it was a good way of farming money but then i just didn't play it again so pointless and the other big game of the year animal crossing I have still been playing this. Oh, you have still been playing it. On and off. Like, nowhere near as much as I was earlier in the year. But I have still been playing this. You know, I did the Halloween event, the Turkey Day event. I've been building snowboys. Are you looking forward to whatever Christmas Eve is or Christmas is? You you mean Toy Day? Toy Day. I was going to say Boxing Day, but actually that's what it is. That's a real <laughs> British thing, yeah. So you're getting... What are you playing for? You're playing for items. No, I'm just playing because it's cute. I I have no idea why I'm playing. I'm just inventing a justification. I have no idea why. I, are you are you playing it? No, not at all. No. <laughs> I don't April? See the... No, interestingly, April will turn on the Switch to play snipper clips. I think she she goes in with the intention of playing Animal Crossing, then she just loads up snipper clips instead. I think when you're so far behind, there you're kind of overwhelmed with what you need to get back onto the onto to the treadmill. keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. It's like real life. It's too it's too traumatic. It's too real. It's just funny because like Animal Crossing came out at just the right time, right? Like Animal Crossing came out as a lot of places were going into lockdown like i wonder if animal crossing would have done as well as it did in a normal year hard to say it is a good game in its own right i mean is it a good game it's it is if you think about it like nothing but a grind it's like a pure grind simulator right like there's there's no reason to do anything i i I did have a friend who refused to buy it because he said, it's a game about doing nothing. Like, why would I want to buy a game where I do nothing? It's only a grind if, you're, if your goal is to achieve more materials, right? Yeah. But it's meant to be relaxing. You've forgotten about the whole... 
Yeah. Well, that's how I'm playing it now. I think that's the thing. Like, I was playing it a lot, I guess, because it was new. And then for a while, I continued to play it and just do my dailies as I thought of them. Like, I would always go and pick up the bottle that washes up on the beach and find the glowing spot on the ground and dig it up and bury 10,000 bells. And I would check what was in the shop and I would go to the nook stop and collect my miles. And I was just like, after a while, it actually became a chore. And that's when it stopped being fun. And then I just stopped. But I suppose the thing is, like, you're meant to have fun, right? So now I'm just logging in when I feel like it. And my animals are all like, where have you been? And I was like, doing other stuff. Too bad. Okay. But it is nice to see the seasons change. Shall we talk about the the pre-Warzone game this year? This one, I think, is just funny because I forgot this was even this year. Like, I just discovered this while I was scrolling through, you know, previous show notes. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was this year. Escape from Tarkov. From all your stories about this game, this sounds like a terrible game that does not respect your time. It doesn't sound fun. I mean, I haven't gone back to it. (laughs) I think... Yeah, Warzone supplanted this, and I've never looked back. As you say, I think it is probably... Well, it's like a very hardcore game, which is to say it has no respect for your time. And I suppose it feels very rewarding when you do achieve something in it because of that. But, yeah, the real world is grim enough, right? I don't don't need to pretend I live in a dystopian hellhole. I can just look outside. It definitely feels like this is from a previous age at this point, though. It's it's weird to think that was this year. There have been quite a few surprising multiplayer games this year. They really hit some sort of cultural... No, I don't say cultural, though, right? I think, well, the zeitgeist or something. Like, it, it's... You know, everyone's in lockdown and then... Everyone's suddenly talking about this multiplayer game. I don't know. I mean, Fall Guys. Which was free on PlayStation Plus? It was. What what a move that was. It just exploded onto the scene. You know, it was... I knew nothing about this game. And then... Actually, to go off on a brief tangent... I played a game called Devolverland Expo, which was a free game put out by Devolver Digital, which I actually think was a work of pure marketing genius, since all of the big, you know, like game expos were cancelled this year, right? And Devolver Digital made a game about a virtual expo called Devolverland, which was just a showcase of all of their games that were publishing. So it was basically just marketing in the form of a game. And because there were no other, like, you know, E3 was cancelled, etc. You know, this was the big gaming expo for this year in a way. So I played that. And one of the booths there was the booth for Fall Guys. And I was like, this game looks amazing. Like, I can't believe no one's thought of this before. It's, it's basically Takeshi's Castle or Total Wipeout, you know, Battle Royale. But it's twee and cute. And yeah, boom, it landed. Everyone was talking about it. 
And then just as quickly, it faded away and was replaced by Among Us. Have you played Among Us? I have played Among Us. Have you won as the imposter? I have won as the imposter. Good. Good. Well, <laughs> I mean, actually, the first time I played as an imposter, because you know, the thing is, right, this game is definitely better if you play with people you know and if you play with voice chat. Because I think by default you can play with just like randoms and you've got to like type stuff in. But like, I don't think that would be fun, right? So you have to try and get a big group of your friends together. I say together, I mean like online at the same time to commit to playing it. And you really need quite a big group. Like you need at least like six people minimum, I would say. So I haven't played it that much, but yeah, we got a group together. We were all on voice chat. First time I'm playing as the imposter, you know, we all are in the canteen together. Like, good hustle, guys. Let's go. All run out. I was like, oh, there's a guy on his own. Stab. And then run around the corner. A few seconds later, boop, emergency meeting. And then, like, I'm acting all innocent. And I was like, oh, so did he call the meeting? I can see the little thing. Like, you know, I'm acting like I don't know what's going on. And then (laughs) the guy who called the meeting finally is like, oh, can you hear me now? And I was like, oh, yeah, we can hear you now. I was like, oh, yeah, sorry, my mic was broken. Also, Mike's the imposter. I just saw him kill someone. And I was like, what? (laughs) It's a fair cop, yes. I didn't realise he could see me. <laughs> well done, Mike. I was, I was totally getting away with it until he fixed his microphone. And he was like, it's definitely Mike. I just saw him stab someone. I realised now, like, because this is like the first <laughs> time I played. I should have immediately turned around and go, what? This is a self-report. You clearly killed him. You know, like, I didn't know the meta, you know. So I did get better at it. Yeah, it, it's fun. But it's much better with voice chat and with people you know. And have you played Phasmophobia? I have played Phasmophobia. How do you play Phasmophobia? Are you a a collection, a team of ghost hunters or something? I, I mean, I think you can play it solo, but I've only played it multiplayer. And this game apparently has been huge on Twitch. But as I said, I don't really watch Twitch. So I knew zero about this game. Other than that, some friends really wanted to play it. So I bought it, completely blind, went in. We were trying to do the tutorial mission. And like this guy is just like, this is boring, let's just go. And it's like, I have no idea how to play. It's like, don't worry, you'll figure it out, let's just go. So skip the tutorial. <laughs> went straight onto a real ghost hunting mission. This game is actually really funny because... We actually didn't use the in-game voice, which is kind of cheating. We were using Discord, but it is capturing the sound from your microphone the whole time, and it's using, like, speech-to-text recognition as well. So, like, if you say the ghost's name or you ask it questions, like, the ghost can respond. It's actually kind of creepy. Clever. And, yeah, the friend who wanted to play it was such a wuss it was so funny he was like we're playing it the lights go out and he was like oh like i'm scared and he was like running behind my character and stuff and i was just like dude you're the one who wanted to play this and he was actually like making like small like chirping noises in fear 
And to be honest, maybe I was just not afraid because I had no idea what was going on. But yeah, we failed really hard. Like we just we just did so bad. We were all completely clueless. We didn't know at all how to use any of the ghost hunting tools. And then like I think one of us was in the van and looking at like the paranormal activity meter and he's like going like one, 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 four, ten, ten, and we're like, what? What the and then like lights go out, everything starts going like weird and staticky, and then we see this like creepy baby walking towards us, it's like, oh my god, what's that? And then like flatline sound, and my friend's like, I think I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead, guys. I'm dead. Yeah, it was terrible. In in the end, I think I took photos of the bodies and then we just drove away. <laughs> that was it. Was it the same friend that took you to the Resident Evil house? No, no. It would friend. have been hilarious if different, it was. Different friend. I, I think... That guy, the Resident Evil guy, would not play this game. <laughs> I, I think, I think he knows what it's like. Okay. In fact, Phasmophobia is another game made by a solo dev. I think. Let's not talk about him. It's too sad. Well, it's too good for them. Congratulations. Something I've achieved this year: I have finally finished Baldur's Gate Two. It's been three years. Congratulations. So I, I did finish in time for Borders Gate 3. Who'd have thought? Was it worth it? Yes and no. I spent all this time mastering D&D second edition. Yeah. And then you turned to me the other day and said, we're way beyond that. When you when you had your D&D session, you said, no, guys, we're, we're moved. We've moved so far beyond that now. That's old, 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 old news. No one cares about Thacko anymore. It would have been good if I could transfer that knowledge and make it useful elsewhere, but no. Did Did you like the story? I didn't play it for story. <laughs> I'm not sure why I played it. I do, that's not fair. I played it for all the mechanics. So if we were playing Divinity Original Sin 2, we would also struggle. It's so strange. It's surprising we didn't talk about this when we played Destiny together. I think this is why I thought Destiny 1 was busted and you thought it was fine. Because I was like, this story makes no sense. And you were like, what? I can't hear you over the sound of all this gunfire. Yeah. I just want the loot. I I will admit, I did enjoy totally cheesing things with the icebreaker or the yellow horn. There you go. But but both of those were not carried over to Destiny 2. Okay, let's quickly talk about hardware. Neither of us got an X-Gen console. Nope. Whoops. I would have liked to. I mean, I just... They're just mega sold out everywhere, right? There you go. Actually, the same for PC hardware. Yeah, because I would have liked to have gotten a 3080, but I'm not paying literally double the price for a 3080. I'm going to wait. And shall we finish with a quick comment on Cyberpunk 2077? It's out. We've been playing it. Was it worth the wait? Not if you're playing on PS4. (laughs) I can't believe I spoke to you about not knowing whether I should buy it on PS4 
or PC. I think that option that should have been quite obvious. Well, I don't think it was at the time we talked because I don't think it was. All of the pre-release footage was actually from PC, right? And I, I don't think anybody actually saw it running on. Uh, is it the previous gen now? We have to call it consoles. Yeah, but it's not good. Like I think even my laptop runs it better than a PS4, which is saying something. The same problems are the lack of SSD, and then the lack of CPU power and lack of GPU power is everything. Actually, I watched some Digital Foundry, you know, analysis of the performance on you know the the last gen consoles, and they mentioned that there was a time when literally the xbox one froze for like one minute like literally one minute while it was like loading in graphics like the game stopped and then he could see like textures being updated very slowly and then the game resumed but it was literally like stuck on one frame for one minute that's crazy that's terrible yeah, I mean, there have been some bugs on PC, but so far for me, it's actually been relatively good. I haven't, I've definitely not played enough of it to pass judgment. Yeah, we've got a whole episode, or a couple of episodes to cover it. Yeah. We'll come back to that later. Should we move on to the main event? Yes. Fanfare? <laughs> the Meaningless Awards 2020. Meaningless Awards 2020, which doesn't include Cyberpunk. It's oh, too late. Really? Doesn't why? qualify. <laughs> Not because it was poor. Not because it was poor. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, if, we, if, it, if it turns out to be really poor, we can give it a meaninglessly bad award next year, I guess. Oh, that's so <laughs> obvious. Why don't we have a meaning, a, a bad award? A letdown too late. award. It's too late. Yeah, well, you're right. We should we we should probably expand some of these categories next year. Okay, shall we start? Go on. So, best multiplayer. Call of Duty Warzone. What a surprise. What's yours? Call of Duty Warzone. Boom. Snap. Jinx. I feel I would have said Call of Duty for 2017, 18, 19 and 20. Is it possible? I'm going to have to check. I mean, you might have done. I mean, you definitely said Call of Duty Modern Warfare for 2019. Okay. So, well done you. I don't know. <laughs> But well done, Mike. You've crossed the 
Oh, You've come over the line. to our side. I, I'm one of the common people. What will I you do now? Live like common people. Yeah, it's just really good. I mean, actually, I say it's really good. I mean, it is really fun, but it's occasionally hellaciously broken, like with the juggernauts. Or now, there's an exploit now where you can just become invisible. Let's see how long it takes them to fix that. But on the whole, yeah, it is an excellent, fast-paced and fun battle royale game, and I'm all about the battle royales. And you're always being rewarded. I'm all, you know, I've always talked about the the progression of COD. Now you experience the progression of COD because you're addicted to the bloody battle pass, and it's it's it makes me smile when I hear and I get a message from you saying, "I just stayed up till two a.m. last night to finish the battle pass, and I've got a meeting at nine (laughs) a.m." Yeah, or I had to take a nap. Because I was busy last night. No, I had to take a lunchtime nap because I was busy completing the battle pass. And now you, under- yeah. I feel like through <laughs> that you understand the progression that they've really, they've truly mastered. They, they've changed it now, actually, because now they've done this Black Ops integration. It seems to be different. Because, like, yeah, I was all about grinding to hit max rank, finish the battle pass, and there were these officer missions that gave you like these ribbons of commendation. And I was all about getting all the ribbons to unlock the season, you know, like level 10 emblem, which is animated. You know, I was like, I was actually kind of crazy. Like, I think, yeah, seasons four, five, and six, I did all of the officer missions, which was crazy because some of them were just a massive slog, like buy 30 armor plate boxes in Warzone or get 75 melee kills. And I was just like, you know, I don't usually go for melee kills, but I literally had to play for a few hours just doing nothing but going for melee kills, all to unlock this bloody emblem, which I don't even use. Anyway, they've changed it to be Black Ops-style progression now, which I don't really know anything about. So we'll see if I'm still as engaged in the grind. I I mean, I'll definitely be going for the battle pass, though. So you've bought Battle Pass Season 1 already? I have. Let's move on. <laughs> Best game. Hell, our home. Frozen when heaven extinguished the pyre. But one spark enough to reignite a revolution. The Bone Shaker, our train, travels the rail connecting our two worlds. The last surviving remains of the pyre drives the heart of our engine. For me, Monster Train. I really like roguelike deck builders. I think I mentioned Slay the Spire in the past, and Monster Train is Slay the Spire with the balance dial turned down to maybe a 6, and the zany dial turned up to 12. Like, Slay the Spire is like this beautifully, finely balanced game. Whereas Monster Train is all about making the most broken deck you can and exploiting it to hell. Literal hell, in fact, because it's, it's about a war between heaven and hell. Although you're fighting on the side of hell, which is kind of funny as well. 
So, yeah, you know, it's not about building a craft, a beautifully balanced deck. It's about deciding what you're going to exploit this run and then building a deck around that. Mechanically, it is a bit different to Slay the Spire. So you summon monsters and there are kind of like three floors in your train. So although it's still the same kind of roguelike deck building mechanics, the actual way you play the turns is quite different. I finished it on the max difficulty level with all of the factions. So there's nothing left to play? Uh, There are still challenges you can do. In fact, like, I've actually kind of picked it up again just the last few days, actually, because I was, when I was deciding what to say is my game of the year, you know, I was like, yeah, Monster Train, I haven't played it for a bit. And I, I started just doing the daily challenge, which is, it's actually really fun. So, yeah, it's a really fun deck building roguelike, and it's a bit, it's a bit less stressful than Slay the Spire, I guess. It's probably just because it's easier. I don't know. And you? pick Animal Crossing New Horizons. Why did I choose this game? I would love to know why you chose this game. Because April really loved it. And we really bonded over this game. Oh, okay. That's a good reason. And interestingly, she, she got so committed to it that she asked me not to play with her. You know, and that was... I quite like that. <laughs> what? So you can play as a pair, right? Oh, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. And then she's starting, actually, I don't need to play with me. I can play on my own. I'm actually, I prefer playing on my own. You're cramping her style. And I quite like that. I think it was important that she sort of had something that distracted her for a bit whilst I play something else. <laughs> but it's, I think it, was, it also came at a good time as well. It was a nice distraction. Everyone was, so April's mum has a character in our, on our island. And she also um, played with her niece. So it's almost like a Pokemon Go choice. Don't, don't they call it Games for Impact on the, the, the Game Awards? Is there an award for Games for Impact? Is that the definition of Games for Impact? Oh, I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. So I wanted to add that I, I thought I would pick Cyberpunk here, but actually Cyberpunk is not that game. Yet. Well, maybe I'll pick it for next year. If we remember. <laughs> yeah. That's always the danger for a December release. And then the other classic game we did play was Disco Elysium. But I, for some reason, I picked it last year. I, I punted with it last year and it doesn't seem right to pick it again. Disco Elysium was really good. 
did you play Disco Elysium for the story? Or you just enjoyed the mechanics that much? More mechanics. I mean, you can't just say mechanics. It's more about how all the 24 characters are written in. Okay. Should we move on? Missed in 2020. So for me, The Last of Us 2. I... I did enjoy The Last of Us. But for some reason, I just had no desire to play The Last of Us 2. I don't know why. I just really didn't feel like playing it. You didn't really enjoy The Last of Us. <laughs> stop, stop, saying, stop telling everyone and yourself that you did. You're just lying to yourself, man. You just like that one scene with the giraffe. Yeah. It, it, you know what? Is The Last of Us like Oscar bait? You know, you know how there are movies that get made that are like blatant Oscar bait? You know, like they're just like, oh, it's hard hitting and gritty, whatever. Like, you know, and at the end of the day, what do consumers watch? Avengers Endgame. You know, like, is The Last of Us like that? Because it just, it won so many awards at the Game Awards, didn't it? But, I don't know. Anyway, it won so many awards that I feel like I've, I've missed something important by not playing it. And I would like to see where they take the story after, you know, the first game. But, yeah, I really didn't feel like playing it this year. So, meh. I feel like I should also mention Ghost of Tsushima. A lot of people seem to be saying it's a grave injustice that it didn't win loads of awards at the Game Awards. Again, I actually kind of know nothing about this game. It's definitely passed me by. So that's another big miss this year for me. So I'm quite happy that we didn't need to play The Last of Us 2. I was okay playing The Last of Us. Because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what it was about. I get the impression The Last of Us 2 is going to be more of the same. And I don't want that. Yeah, I think it's even more grim and even more depressing. So, my choice...
Persona 5 Royal. And I can promise you I will play this game when I get around to it. This is your new Baldur's Gate 2? Yep. So does this mean we can't do it as the book club game because we've got to play it over three years? <laughs> yeah, that's, we're going to dedicate a whole podcast to it. A whole podcast series or, you know, <laughs> its own podcast in its own right even, sorry. I guess we could do what we did for Baldur's Gate 2, which is to say, we'll declare it the book club game. We'll do an episode on it after we've played like five hours or something. <laughs> and then you can continue to spend a few years after that playing it. We'll just do one to start us off, and then we'll do one when we close. Why exactly do you feel like this was your missed in 2020 game then? Like, what makes you feel like you've really missed out by not playing it? Because it looks so enticing. I mean, have you, have you watched the trailers? Nope. So you haven't seen the presentation, you know how it's got the jazzy music going on backgrounds and then it's everything is super stylized. I mean, I've seen trailers for Persona 5. Oh, good, good. So you've got all that style and then you've got behind that there's 120, like I say 120 hours like it's a good thing. It's a, it's a thing. It's not good nor bad. But there's 120 hours of content and you've got this real life simulation part to it. So he, you've got to manage a high school student's schedule and on, you know, on, on the flip side of that, he is a, I have no idea what he is. You know, I, I don't want to read in too much to ruin everything for me. But if you imagine, imagine if they made a Hogwarts game like this, how incredible that would be, you know, that template. I think they are making a Hogwarts game like this, <laughs> but that's another topic for another time. And for me, time management is what I live for, as sad as that sounds. And it's, it sounds like a game about time management. And, you know, and we've just talked about stuff like, oh, I prefer mechanics over story. I mean, it's got a lot of story there, but it's going to have a lot of mechanics going on as well, because it's a JRPG. Okay. Well, let's put it on the list. Yes. Honourable mentions. So for me, Half-Life Alex, because it definitely deserves a mention. It's, it's really ambitious, right? I think it's like really visionary and bold to go and put that much money, you know, that much budget into a VR game. Like who can play this? Not many people, right? But, you know, you wanted Half-Life 3, here's Half-Life 3 over two because it's an interstitial game but it is like half-life 3 effectively right i mean maybe i'm just inventing reasons but i feel like valve wants to do something new 
when they do a big game, right? They don't want to just make another game the same. And VR is their big thing. And this is the next Half-Life game, you know? Having said that, I hardly put any time into it at all, which is kind of embarrassing. But I just... I just found it really tiring to play. I don't know if that's just a a thing about VR in general or if it was about this game, like the stress of literal headcrab zombies coming towards your face and you trying to awkwardly reload your stupid gun with the funny mechanics. Because you literally have to slot the clip into the gun and like, you know, pull it back to reload it. And, you know, like trying to do that in the heat of the moment when something's literally lunging at you. Yeah. Mentally exhausting. High stress response. I should give it another go. I really should try and finish it. And then my other honourable mentions, because <laughs> I'm just bad. You never have too many. It's just choking, sorry. That came out too harsh. All the other roguelike games this year. Like, there are a lot of really great other roguelikes that came out this year. And, you know, you mentioned just now for Persona 5 Royal. 120 hours you know is that a good thing or a bad thing you know like maybe it's just getting older but a hundred hour game actually just terrifies me now and what do i find myself playing a lot of roguelikes because they are quite contained and you can finish a run of them in about you know 30 minutes to an hour pick it up put it down and you're still learning you're still developing a skill you know, at that game, you still have that feeling of mastery, but it's a much more contained thing. So, you know, this year we had some really great ones. In addition to Monster Train, Noita hit 1.0. We talked about it earlier in the year. Amazing. You know, like it's like, it's like Terraria, but instead of simulating every block, it's simulating every pixel. Spelunky 2, sequel to Spelunky, which arguably is one of the you know, founding games of modern roguelikes. And then Hades, which just looks incredible. You know, it's it's so stylized. Art direction, voice acting, amazing. Oh, and randomly one more that's not a roguelike. Filament. Which is kind of like The Witness, but way harder. Way, way, way harder. Sorry, I'm done now. <laughs> So, my choice is Microsoft Flight Simulator. This is just such a beautiful game. Have you played this? No, I just watch all the trailers. I've just watched. I'm just watching all the trailers with the the moving, inspired music in the background. You know, to make it all seem so spiritual. 
right? Because it is spiritual. I've been meaning to play this because I did subscribe to Game Pass and I actually did install Flight Simulator, but I have actually yet to run it. I don't think it's going to be a quick game. That's the problem. And it's not clearly defined how to play this, right? You're, you're just creating flight paths and just... It, it's a simulator. I know. I don't think there is a game to it. So maybe like the montage of all those beautiful landmarks is all I need. Yeah, maybe watching someone else play it is just as fulfilling as playing it yourself in that respect. Lastly, I can't believe we've done the 2020 wrap-up without mentioning The Outer Wilds. Well, I would say I really loved The Outer Wilds. You know, it, it's, it's one of those rare games that actually made me feel something, you know. But I've been trying to pick actual 2020 games for a change. <laughs> and it was technically last year. So is this your bonus honourable mention or are you just picking one for me? just to help me out because it's too embarrassing because I picked so many already. It's my bonus one. Okay. It's just a fortunate coincidence then. So I'm still reading all the patient gamer posts about this game. People really love it. (laughs) People really love it. But do you really love it? I do. It's just like, I feel like I should like this game because everyone tells me I should. So I'm going to pick it. You know, like... I still remember landing on some of those plants quite vividly for the first time. It just, it, it just feels like it was a lifetime ago. This year has been so strange. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club on twitter at lostlevelsclub anywhere else reddit slash r slash lostlevelsclub so michael what are you grateful for today two things you're making a shocked face it's a bonus number one my coronavirus test was negative hilariously (laughs) the results arrived during like friends christmas dinner since before i leave to go to the uk we decided to have christmas dinner and so we we ordered in a turkey and all the stuff and they were supposed to send me the results within three days and so three days came and went and i got nothing so i was just like okay i assume i'm negative then in the middle of dinner my phone goes off and it's like this is you know government lab blah 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 here is your coronavirus test result negative I was thinking, imagine if that had said positive in the middle of dinner. I'd be like, Merry Christmas, guys. Hope you enjoy quarantine. <laughs> so that's one. Second thing. I am grateful that 2020 is done. Bye-bye, 2020. Let's hope 2021 is better. So Michael says bye. Bye-bye.